Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial. I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And welcome to the show that digs deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that's on everybody's mind, and it's about winning the war for talent. And today's guest is a recruiter who's in the trenches every day fighting that battle. Pleased to welcome Keith Kornfuhrer, who's the managing partner at the Kornfuhrer Group. Keith, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are. So I'm the managing member of the Cornfield Group. Um, my name is Keith Cornfield. I've been recruiting for 26 years. Uh, now my primary my primary focus is in financial consulting. Um, but uh, as I said, I've been I've been recruiting for 26 years. Uh, I've run uh, a practice for uh, a group called. Princeton won and have been on my own now for about nine years recruiting uh, all over the United States. Yeah, and you have a great lens for us to talk about, Keith, because you're working with client companies and you're also working with candidates. So you've got both lenses here and, and we're going to explore both, uh, time permitting, of course. But I want to start with the whole idea of, of, of the war for talent. Um, what does that mean? And maybe talk a little bit about the labor market. So right now, the, the, the war for talent, I, that's a great, that's actually a great, a great moniker for it. We're seeing it really across the board in the economy right now. Uh, you're seeing it in the service and hospitality industries, but you're also seeing it in the professional ranks. Um, just as anecdotally, um, I was talking to a good friend of mine who is a senior uh, executive with a large multinational law firm, and she was bemoaning the fact that they can't find lawyers. In my space, um, it is almost impossible to identify junior level staff people, and that's really where the, uh, the great number is. The truth is, we're seeing a couple of things. Um, obviously, the, the, the COVID pandemic has had some impact on, on the labor market. Uh, there's the great resignation, which has been in the news quite a bit uh, of late. Um, I think another factor that may be playing into it, and I, I believe we'll see more of this as time goes on, is as the workforce ages, we're simply seeing less people available particularly in the professional ranks, in professional positions. So things are having to be creative in terms of identifying potential candidates. They're having to be very creative in terms of attracting those candidates and landing them. And then there are certainly issues associated with retention. Um, the, uh, the, the Gen Z Millennials, uh, a study I read just about a week ago indicated that those folks are throughout their career going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 jobs. In previous generations, that number was in the five to six range. So you can see that there is a lot of movement in the market right now. There are a lot of factors at play that we've not seen before. Um, remote work is a huge issue today. 
the president of LinkedIn indicated that in the next couple of years, remote work or the option for remote work will be one of the top three deciding factors in terms of people choosing where to go to work. And, you know, two and a half years ago, that didn't even exist. So we're, we're all having to kind of learn this on the fly. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, um, that presents some interesting opportunities, but it presents some interesting challenges as well as companies uh, look at bringing people on board and saying, okay, we're going to let you work remotely. Um, how do you manage those folks, particularly junior level folks? So any number of, any number of new challenges that we're, that we're seeing right now in the market. Yeah. And, you know, in, in my world, I'm working with client companies, generally working at the C-suite level, talking with CFOs and CEOs. And this this issue, the war for talent, is the foremost challenge on everyone's mind. Um, I had several conversations yesterday. We talked about this idea of remote work, and it was unanimous across the board in every conversation I had. Every one of those CFOs said that they are fully remote and they're not going back to any mandated in-office um, situations. But we talked about the, the great resignation. You mentioned that a little bit here, Keith, in terms of the war for talent. So if there is this great resignation going on, where, where are these people going? Because we're still having a very difficult time finding the talent. Great question. Um, I've read and, and, and researched this, uh, everything I can get my hands on. The great resignation, where are the people going? The more junior level folks, so the millennials, the Gen Zs, they're, they're going to other positions. The baby boomers, the Generation X, I believe, is the one after the baby boomers. A number of them are just leading the workforce. They're retiring early. Um, how are they able to do that? Well, when I figure that out, <laughs> um, we won't uh, we won't have to work anymore. But the truth is that I think where where you're seeing where you're seeing the effect of that is really in the, 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 the older generations, the folks that are that were probably 10, five to ten years away from resigning retiring anyway, and they're just leaving the workforce early. The junior, the more junior level folks out there, um, they're just moving. They're moving sometimes as often as once a year. So <clears throat> that's adding to this this uh, great resignation. I think the uh, I think the numbers I saw in the fourth quarter, year over year resignations, voluntary resignations were up forty percent. What that number is not taking into account is basically those people are redeploying. Um, so they don't really talk about that. They're just looking at voluntary resignations. Keith, you mentioned that one of the ways that companies are, are trying to deal with this war for town is being creative. Um, we have about five minutes to go here in this segment, so I want to keep this brief, but why don't you talk a little bit about how companies are being creative in, in waging this battle? Right. There's two, there's two primary factors right now um, within the, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. One is, again, the remote work question. Um, 
you mentioned CFOs that you're talking to that are basically saying, we're not coming back. Um, Most firms that I have spoken to and that I've read about, um, at most, at most, they're saying, okay, we're going to mandate a return to work on this date, and it's a minimum of two or three days in the office and the rest remote. Any number of firms have made decisions about going remote full-time. Uh, the uh, retail brokerage Robinhood, um, they announced last, um, I guess, in January that they're going to be fully remote. So giving folks the option of working remotely, part-time or full-time, that's one thing. The other thing is, and this, this is something that I find perplexing, is the compensation numbers have gone up exponentially. And maybe in the next segment, we can talk about a little bit about the other side of the coin and why I believe that is a short-term solution to a longer-term problem that is problematic. Yeah, you read my mind. Look at you driving the program here, Keith. You read my mind. That's exactly where we're going to go next. And uh, that's a great spot to take a quick break. So, Keith, you sit tight, grab a sip of coffee. Uh, For you watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about how to win the war for talent with Keith Kornfuer, who's managing principal at the Kornfuer Group. Keith, you teed me up perfectly at the end of the first segment for where we should take the second segment, and it, it dovetails into the construct of retention. Uh, one of the key things that folks are battling with here, besides attracting new talent, it's keeping the key people in place. And you alluded to it at the end of the first segment, and I've heard the stories from a number of folks uh, that, that there's this, this idea that to keep people, you've got to throw a lot of money at them. And honestly, it's a defensive strategy because I also hear that other companies are throwing a lot of money at people uh, to lure them away from their current positions. So I'm going to let you talk about that concept and why is that not a good long-term plan? Again, in the, in the short term, Dave, it's, it's, um, it's almost necessary um, when you're competing for talent. Um, there's just a lot of money being thrown, uh, thrown at folks. I said this was a short-term solution to a long-term issue. The caveat here is once the economy turns, and it does, we all know it's very cyclical, you've got people making, making salaries that are exponentially higher than they were even 24 months ago, even 12 months ago. And the problem then becomes 
how do you how do you maintain those salary positions if the business is softening? And the answer is you don't. Um, my fear is that we're going to go from the great resignation to the great termination. The other the other downside, as I see it, uh, is the following: when you combine remote work with extraordinarily high level of compensation, remote work lends itself to a lower level of loyalty. And so let's say you have somebody making $150,000 a year and they're working from the, from the home, from a home office four days a week and someone comes along and offers them $30,000 more, they're, they're less inclined to feel any particular loyalty to a company because there's not there, there's there's less there's less building of the culture. Um, a great example: um, I, I spoke to a young man who went to work for one of the big four accounting firms, and I'm going to say October of 2020. Uh, and he didn't go into an office, and this is someone straight out of college. He didn't go into an office for the first nine and a half months. And so I question, and I question my clients when they talk to me about these issues, how much loyalty is there really? What, what incentive does that particular individual have to looking at an offer that comes along from a competitor at 15, 20, 25% more, what incentive do they have to stay? And I, I think that's a real concern. You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to blast anybody for being disloyal, but uh, if, they're not, uh, if they're not in an office daily, interacting with their peers and their supervisors, I just, I feel like there's less connection um, and just as an aside, uh, it really is difficult to build, build a team when most of them are, are remote. Uh, you know, you can only do so much through Zoom calls and Microsoft Teams. So <clears throat> while I think, I, think it's, I think it's almost necessary for companies to uh, to consider higher compensation levels than they normally would, I think they need to do so very judiciously uh, because, you know, if, if uh, business, let's say you're in a manufacturing firm and business drops off 15 to 20% in, in the next cyclical move of the economy, and you've got people making 15 to 20% more than they would have in a normal economy, um, you're going to be faced with some very tough decisions. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to be in a position to say, you know, the sky is falling, but you know, I have, as I said, I've been recruiting for 26 years. I've seen these cycles come. The economy will cycle. Uh, there are any number of, of issues that we're facing right now. There are uh, geopolitical issues going on in the Balkans. Um, you know, who knows how that's going to turn out. Uh, we, uh, we had 
The highest inflation numbers came out yesterday, the highest in like 40 years. Um, so you're going to see necessary monetary tightening. So I think we, we have to be mindful of, of those factors as we, uh, as we look at, uh, as we look at uh, coming up with compensation packages. Yeah, so you mentioned the word loyalty, Keith, and I think anybody who's on the candidate side of the fence will tell you, well, why do I owe the company loyalty? Loyalty is a two-way street. What loyalty do they show me? So if you're that candidate, if you're advising that candidate who now has gotten an opportunity where someone's throwing the big bucks at them, uh, talk about that situation in the context or through the lens of the idea that you just described that throwing the big bucks at people is not a long-term sustainable uh, proposition here. So this candidate may take a, a short-term big bump in their salary, but what I'm hearing you say is that it's not going to be sustainable and they could be the first ones at risk in their new position. We, I make that point to any, anyone who comes to me and says, hey, I got this offer and it's um, $30,000 more than I'm making now. Well, first, congratulations. That's great you need to look further than next year's W-2. And um, it hasn't changed in the market that people like, companies like to see consistency. So if they see somebody jumping every 12 to 18 months, that's a red flag. And some people would say, well, not, not anymore. Well, yeah, anymore. Hmm. Um, furthermore, once the economy, assuming it does turn, soften, pick your word, those things are going to be more important than they than they probably are right now. Well, right now, com companies are just looking at we need bodies. We just we need people. Um, and I tell, I'll tell clients the same thing. Do you need them badly enough to break the bank? So in terms of talking to people that are considering moves, um, you know, you, you really have to give them uh, time-tested advice about, you know, if you chase the money, you'll get burned by the money eventually. Yeah. Keith, for folks watching and listening who want to learn more about you or work with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? My uh, website is thecorncuregroup.com. Um, it's real long. I don't know. if Can, can we put that on the, the podcast? Or? Yep. It's on the video and I'll drop it into the show notes as well. So for folks okay, who are listening, great. they'll have it. Uh, that's the best way to reach me. My direct dial and my email are there. Um, happy to provide whatever whatever insider advice uh, I can. Um, I think that um, this is a this is a market that we've got to navigate it carefully. Uh, I think it can be done, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what things look like 12 months from now. Yeah. Keith, I know we're getting into the back nine here, uh, but I want to try and sneak in as much info as I can out of you. So uh, I want to talk about a concept called ghosting. Um, I, I hear from <laughs> candidates that companies ghost them. Uh, and I certainly hear from companies that the candidates aren't even showing up for scheduled interviews. Talk a little bit about that. Um, first of all, on the company side, I don't see it as often, really. 
if if uh, if a candidate does get ghosted by a company, um, it's it's typically after just a you know a cursory um, you know introduction type interview. Um, as for candidates, um, you know, Dave, you and I are old school. You know, when, if if you interviewed with somebody, you send them a thank you note. Absolutely. Um, Same day. You call the day before to confirm and all of those kinds of things. And I think those are still important factors. And I think those are still important steps to take. Um, I tell my clients, I will tell you that if a, if a candidate or one doesn't show up for an interview, um, I don't want to hear, yeah, but we really need people. And maybe there was a reason. No, there's no reason. Absolutely not. Um, and that, you know, I, I guess that's kind of a, a, you know, a hard take. But uh, if they will do that in the interview process, uh, how reliable are they going to be? Yeah. Uh, so I tell I tell my companies all the time, uh, if uh, if a candidate ghosts you, uh, let's say they come in for their first interview, and you send a follow up email, hey, we'd like to have you back in, and you never hear from them. Well, that's an answer in and of itself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just bad behavior, right? It's it's bad etiquette. It's bad behavior. But I think it may be driven by this overall d demand for talent. And I think maybe some folks are just getting cocky here. So, Keith, we've got about five minutes to go here in this segment. But I want to talk to you um, as you're going to be speaking to candidates about the concept of networking. Uh, some mm -hmm. of the, the, uh, the younger professionals that I speak with, um, are, are kind of mixed on what I'll call old school networking, you know, reaching out to individuals, centers of influence. It's a lot of work, right? If you're going to try and make a contact um, as opposed to just, say, looking at a job board or going through Indeed uh, or even using you know, someone like yourself. Talk to those candidates about what you and I would describe as old school networking. And is it still valuable? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. It's really, um, it really comes down to to people being intentional in their careers. And that is attending um, professional association meetings. Um, when, when they work with someone at another firm on a project, following up with that person, maintaining the contact. Yeah, it, it, it requires work, but it is, it is so critical because I tell people all the time, um, you can respond to a posting, and that might, today, that might get you some response. But ultimately, if you, if I was looking for a new role, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look at the top 50 companies I'm interested in. I'm gonna find out who it is I would report to in the role that I'm interested in. I'm gonna contact them directly. Okay, they may not have any interest in adding someone like myself, but I've made a contact and I, I, uh, I followed up on that conversation and I periodically touch base with them. Networking is critical in career development. Um, professional associations, absolutely necessary. Um, when, you, when, when they are talking when they meet someone in the industry, introducing them to somebody you know, asking them to introduce somebody that they know in the industry. 
Um, it's and it's become interestingly, it's become less uh, less an activity that people pay attention to with remote work. You know, people are uh, people are sitting at home working uh, with very little contact with anyone. So it becomes even even more difficult to do, but more critical yeah. because eventually those those networking contacts, those people that you build up, and I'm going to age myself here, but the people that you put into your Rolodex, those are going to be the people that help you advance your career. Those are going to be the people that will serve as resources in terms of doing work. You know, Dave, I have, I don't know, a thousand people that I know in, in my space, and I frequently have one call me and say, do you know anybody in such and such a city? I've got some work. I've got to outsource it. Uh, you've got people in your, your network that you can call and yeah. say, hey, I've never done this. I've never, I've never done this kind of project. Can you kind of talk me through it? Um, yep. That's the result of networking. Exactly. So, Keith, an old mentor of mine once said, your network is your net worth. And on that note, we've got to say farewell. Keith, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Absolutely, Dave. Thank you so much. That's been a uh, this, pleasure. This has been a blast. And again, um, any of the viewers, any of the listeners, um, I'm happy to, I'm happy to opine on uh, and/or uh, advise on any anything, and they're welcome to reach out to me. Appreciate that, Keith. We've been talking about how to win the war for talent with Keith Cornfuer today. And again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the person that my clients reach out to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And I thank you for watching and listening. We can't do it without you. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you stay in contact with us. And on that note, we will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.